0: This is a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station.
1: BFM eighty nine point nine is eight thirty six. Is Tuesday the thirteenth of January, and of course, you're listening to 30th the morning. Of
2: February.
1: Oh my goodness, <laughs> where did the month go? So sorry, guys. You're right. It's thirteenth of February. <laughs> I can't. I'm just here to receive. And that voice asking for an umpa was Philip C. The other voice, of course, was Keith Kam. I'm Wong Xiaoning and we are the motley crew of the morning run. Um, I think it's the food coma, guys. I blame the food coma for my lack of concentration. Uh, But in the next half an hour, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. But before that, we turn our attention to our neighbours Indonesia because tomorrow... On Valentine's Day, which is February 14, some 200 million eligible voters in Indonesia will decide the next president of the world's third
0: largest democracy. Over the weekend, early voting was held in five cities across Malaysia for registered Indonesian voters residing here, including at the World Trade Centre in Kuala Lumpur where over 200,000 voters cast their ballots. These elections will determine who succeeds the popular president Joko Widodo, who is barred from running after serving two terms as head of state. Interestingly, the front-runner for the presidential
2: race is not a member of Jokowi's PDIP party but his cabinet member and former rival Prabowo Subianto, who lost twice against Jokowi in 2014 and in 2019. So could the third time be a charm for Prabowo, especially with Jokowi's son Gibran Rakabu Mingraka as his vice presidential running mate? So for
1: some insights on the eve of the elections for What to Expect, we speak to Erin Cook, a journalist based in Jakarta. She also produces the Southeast Asian newsletter, Dari Mulut ke Mulut. Good morning, Erin. Good to speak to you. as Jokovi's lasting legacy after two terms as Indonesia's president?
3: Good morning, everyone. That's a really big question. I think it's a very, very interesting one. Um, he's, of course, been in for 10 years, so he's had a, a lot of time to kind of build his legacy, but he's not quite, uh, it's probably not going to end up the way he thought it would, I think, with the Putting in of his son, Gibran, as the vice presidential candidate, there's a lot of concerns now that the man that was elected in 2014 as, you know, this exciting man of the people from not from a Jakarta family of political elites was going to change Indonesia for the future. And he's he's come in. He has done a lot of changes, a lot of important, you know, infrastructure and policy reforms, but he hasn't changed the political elite at all and he's just become part of it. And I think that in the long term is is going to be his real legacy. Mm. But,
0: you know, as you say, the unresolved seems to be the fundamental political structure in Indonesia. How easy is it to dismantle that?
3: Well, that's, yeah, very tricky. I think um, one of the the big criticisms about Jokowi, particularly in the second term since 2019, is that he either hasn't uh, protected institutions, particularly the Corruption Eradication Commission, which has been under attacks um, over years with various scandals, and Jokowi hasn't really come out in support of that. So there's concerns that he doesn't care about these, cons- uh, these institutions too much. Um, but then, of course, his son... Technically, constitutionally, wasn't allowed to run. Um, he's only 36, so the minimum age is 40. Uh, but the constitutional court ruled that there could be an exception. Um, Gibran has served as the mayor of Solo for a few years, which is where the family's from. So maybe that has a bit of a bit of understanding to it. But his uncle was the was the chief justice on the constitutional court. So there's definitely a vibe that you know they're getting a bit, their hands are a little bit dirty.
2: Erin, what's the atmosphere and mood like in Indonesia uh, in the lead up to the el- elections tomorrow? What are some of the colorful campaign anecdotes you've, you've observed? I mean, we see a lot of uh, TikTok activity especially
3: Yes, it is a bit bizarre. It seems to primarily be online. It's relatively muted compared to what we saw in 2014 and definitely, um, rather 2019 and definitely since 2014 when it was really, really exciting. Now it is a lot of TikTok dancers. The big one's definitely Prabowo Subianto. He uh, campaigned in 2014, 2019 as very much the military man that he was like very strong guy this time around he's wearing baby blue he's doing sweet little dances on stage (laughs) Um, he's been referred to as everybody's grandfather so that's a a bit of a yeah vibe shift for him
1: (laughs) but then how do viewers vote uh, sorry how do voters view what's at stake in these elections so really what are the factors influencing how they choose their presidential candidate this time around this
3: has been A really, really interesting feature of this election specifically, there isn't so much a focus on uh, future policy. There isn't so much what uh, programs would you like to see Indonesia have in the next five years. It seems to revolve primarily around Jokowi. It's if you like Jokowi, you will like Prabowo. If you don't like Jokowi, your choices are Anis Bazweden or Ganja Prano, who's the one running with his PDIP. So it's largely over how you feel about the incumbent, which I think is always a a tricky way to to run an election. But it shows a lot of how much Jokowi's legacy and reputation still rules Indonesia, at least for now.
0: Mm. But I guess the interesting thing is that they're using the sun to be the bridge between Prabowo and Jokowi. But what makes Prabowo, I think, so popular? Because if you look at the polls, really, he looks like he has a really unassailable lead, right?
3: Mm. Yes, yeah. Well, I was just talking about this last night with some friends. This time a year ago, Graboa was so far behind. Mm. Um, it looked almost <laughs> a little bit sad, I think, to to see him run for a third time. But he has just surged and surged and surged. And a lot of that is the the Gibran effect, the, the effective nod from Jokowi. Um, but there's also a throughout all polling we are seeing a lot of support amongst young Indonesians, so millennials and Gen Zs. And they often report uh, it's his time. That's what they're saying. He He's tried. He's tried again. He's He's been there trying to get uh, to the presidency. And there's this view that, you know, maybe he deserves it because he has tried so much.
2: Um, the presidential race, from what I see, it's unlikely to go off into a runoff with mm. Prabowo likely winning. But what could what uh, what could change uh the situation that might actually see a a, a runoff?
3: Yeah, I th- I think that's uh very very good question. I think um I don't know anybody confident to say that it's definitely not going to be a runoff, but no one's going to be surprised if Provo does win it in one round. Um, I'm not too sure what happens in a runoff. Like we know structurally. What happens? But this hasn't happened in Indonesia's post-Reformasi era. It's always been, you know, two candidates or someone being so far ahead that, you know, it was one in one round. So we're looking at likely Anis Baswedan, who is a former mayor, uh, governor of Jakarta as well as a former minister in Jokowi's cabinet, but very much not a friend of Jokowi anymore. Um, he will likely be the one to run against Prabowo in a second round. What happens with uh, Ganja Pranoha and the millions of votes that he does still have is, is up in the air. It's very widely known that Megawati Sakuraputri, the uh, boss of PDIP, isn't too keen on Anise. Um, so whether she puts the weight of Indonesia's largest party behind mm. Anise on a runoff election, we still don't know, but it will definitely be very dramatic what
0: does a Proboa administration look like, though, hypothetically? Are we going to see the same of Jokowi or are we going to see a bit more like state-sponsored economy? Will foreign policy change and shift?
3: That's interesting. I think we don't really have too much of a clear idea. I think we will initially see a, a continuation of a lot of Jokowi's ideas um, and initiatives. Uh, but in the long term, Proboa is not going to need to give Jock, these sorts of Jews anymore and then he'll become a much, much more independent leader and he's, of course, quite a an independent guy to begin mm. with. Um, I think as Defence Minister we've seen him be uh, kind of exactly what we'd imagine him to be, quite tough talking, um, uh, far more interested in, uh, more nationalistic, yeah, really, <laughs> at the end of the day. And it'd be interesting to see how that would play out across Various portfolios, rather than just defence, when that is the name of the game, I think we can expect uh, a lot more foreign investment, uh, a lot more of initiatives there. Um, But Prabowo is such an enigma; he's easy, easy to turn on on a dime over nothing. So I think that's a a good question, and we'll have to see how it plays
1: out. All right. Thank you very much for your time. There's Erin Cook, journalist based in Jakarta, uh, telling us what she expects from the Indonesian election slightly. Prabowo is going to win on February 14. I think initially there were thoughts that, oh, there'll be a runoff and then another voting, another round of votes will take place in June, but it doesn't look like to be the case based on the last polls done.
0: I mean, I I was very interested to see the resurgence of Prabowo. I read this book by Matt Easton. We Have Tired of Violence, about the persecution happening of journalists actually in Indonesia and how Prabowo actually at the time was alleged to have done many of these things. Yeah, he's known to be the
1: strong man. The strong man
0: per se. And I'm so keen to see how memories fade so fast. And that also can apply here.
1: Clearly, people rehabilitate their image, right? They're very clever at that, and then that's why that's why you see social media pictures of him, you know, cuddling cats and being Mm. that gentle, caring grandfather. But does a leopard change its spots? Vibe check. Yeah, so we will find out because little is known about his policies so watch this space. Uh, we're heading into some messages but first a quick message.
0: Richard Bradbury speaks with radio veteran Chris Higgins about the theme of radio, a century informing, entertaining and educating. Chris talks us through setting up some of the earliest commercial radio stations in the UK, how pirate radio changed what we listened to forever and how radio is still the go-to medium in times of crisis. On Enterprise, Explores at 12pm.
1: Um, next will be diving into Najib's uh, reduced pardon and fine uh, with analysis from Arina Najwa Ahmad Syed Keep it here BFM 89.9
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app